Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey, hey, hey guys, it's another Sunday night and you know what that means, don't ya? It's time for some of this brain love. Get in here and get on the couch. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist here in South Florida. And every Sunday night, I bring you the Brain Love Podcast, at least every Sunday night for like the last year, I've been bringing the Brain Love Podcast. This podcast began during the pandemic in May 2020, and I've been rocking ever since. Um, You know, you would think I'd have like 52 episodes from 2020, but I actually have a little bit more because there were times when I wanted to share information and I got really gung-ho and I would make an episode. But now, you know, I stick to what the schedule is and that schedule is Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I appreciate all of my regular listeners. I appreciate you guys so much. If I could see you, I would give you a huge hug because you want me to pour into you. You want me to pour into you some of this brain love. And I really rocks with people who want to know more about the brain and want to share the information they too have about the brain. So I appreciate you. I just want you to know that. Um, I think it's important for us to, to be able to share and enjoy one another's company, even if it is virtual company. Hey, right. So what you guys got going on? Um, you came in tonight, you came in to hear my interview with Victor Bell. This is part two. Part one was last Sunday night at 8 p.m. And so I'm bringing you part two, man. So check it out. Before we get into this interview, part two or Victor Bell, I, I just need y'all to give me some love. I need y'all to give me some love. We need to cop it up for this session. Let me tell you last weekend last Sunday night session was so deep man this man expressed and and shared so many things from his past we just had to clap it up and get that man some applause for being so transparent and so open about his experience because guess what his sharing that experience may encourage someone to talk to their parents who have had something happen to them now allow me to clarify I'm saying that Because a lot of people have had sexual traumas in their past. One in four black women have been sexually traumatized, sexually molested, sexually harassed, sexually abused. And I believe for men, for black men, it's one in five. Um, Don't quote me. And so I want to be clear, though, Victor Bell is not a victim of sexual molestation, sexual abuse. He has not experienced any of those things. He says that he said that during part one. In part one of the podcast, he's never been uh, sexually abused or sexually molested. So I I don't want to mislead anyone um, into believing that based on what I just said. But sometimes hearing someone talk about their sexual experiences, and especially when trauma is included, it does encourage the next person to come forward and have a conversation. It's a hard conversation to have. Now, again, that is not the case with Victor Bell who was the guest again tonight on the Brain Love Podcast. If you have not subscribed to my podcast yet, I believe, I know I am worthy. Please subscribe tonight. Subscribe on all platforms. Subscribe on on, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, on Pandora. 
If you have an Anchor account, subscribe on Anchor as well and share it. If you hear an episode that will help the next person, share it with them. There's an episode on here that's called Dear Ladies, and it's pretty popular. I get messages from women a lot. Um, If you've ever sent me a DM or a message on Facebook about this um, episode or any other episode and you didn't get a response, it's because there are times that I'm not able to. Someone sent um, a message last week about my episode Dear ladies, um, she said it helped her so much as someone who um, I used to work where she works, um, but I couldn't respond because I guess she doesn't follow my page um, on Facebook. Facebook did not allow me to reply back to her, which was unusual. I'm not sure why it was that way. But um, ma'am, if you're listening, you told me you listened to the podcast. Thank you so much for for sharing your sentiments about that episode. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time to reach out to me. I appreciate you greatly. And, and thank you for your listenership. I appreciate that as well. So without any further ado, y'all, one more hand clap as we bring on Mr. Victor Bell. That's right. Hey, 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 guys, it's another Sunday night. We are in here. We're on the couch. Come and take the couch with me. Are you ready to take the couch, guys? This is Dr. Delvina Thomas, a board-certified psychiatrist in South Florida. You know, every Sunday night at 8 p.m., I drop a new episode of My Brain Love podcast. Um, Man, I started talking with a gentleman last Sunday, a guy who I heard recite a poem that he had written. We were in Clubhouse, or I was on Clubhouse in a room. It was one of the B-side rooms by Ingrid B. And um, his poem included themes and descriptors about sex. And the things that he talked about with regard to sex included um, homosexuality and basically living both lifestyles at some point in his life. Um, Victor Bell is back again tonight. I have um, additional questions for him to to understand his timeline and what he's gone through, because I believe a lot of people have experienced this. And through, through sexual development, we go through stages. And through sexual development, Oftentimes, though we may not act out or actually experiment, we may actually have these thoughts as we're trying to determine who we are and how we identify. There's sexual identity and there's also gender identity. And you guys know that recently, I would say over the last probably 20 years, you know, we've heard some new terms. It used to just be um, homosexual, then it became LGBTQT. And they've added some other identifiers in that. Um, And some folks consider themselves to be fluid. And if you're someone who is religious or um, you're into church or you um, you claim a religion or you claim a faith and you live a certain lifestyle by your religion, you know that religion, most religions condemn homosexuality. It's something that's considered a sin. It's considered a black sin. I called it taboo in the first episode of this, this conversation, um, but it's considered an abomination um, by in many religions. And um, prior to the changes that have occurred in America, and by changes, I mean allowing 
same-sex marriages, allowing openly gay soldiers or service members in the military. There have been so many changes here in America. And also what you see on television. Now you see a lot of, of commercials and movies and series and episodes who have a gay star or there's a, a couple who's gay um, and they're the star of the show. Um, you may see a commercial now of two men um, appearing to get married or two men holding hand or holding hands. Um, I've even seen some commercials or some ads where two men are kissing. Um, and so homosexuality, fluidity, um, transgender, all of these things have become a more accepted practice in America, although in some other countries, it's, um, it's not allowed. And so Victor Bell has shared in this poem that he, he, he wrote um, his lifestyle, how he wanted to be loved by men the way that he has seen women be loved. So he went on um, this sort of, it seemed like a journey. I don't know if it was a spiritual journey. And Victor, I wanted to ask you this um, in the other episode, if you believed in and demons and less demons. Do you believe that exists? Yes, I do. I actually had an encounter with one. Uh, um, in, and this was post uh, my transformation. Um, as I, you know, I say my BC, after my BC days, before Christ days. Um, yeah, but I've actually had an encounter with one. A real live in my face. Uh, I can touch this person, see this person. There were other witnesses there encounter with one. So yours, it's a you said person, but it was a, a lust demon, yes. Yes, um, we know demons um, by according to the Christian faith. Um, if those that are of the Christian faith understand that possession is real, but if mm -hmm. I speak it practically, um, let's just say it's an energy that ha needs a host, gotcha. um, so people can understand. Um, it was, and, and that energy was living through that host that evening. So was, when you say you came face to face with the lust demon, was this a man trying to get you to no. rest and go back to your old ways? No, I was at a I was at Bible study. It was a woman and her husband was given to a, a deep uh, lustful, lust, sexual lustful life. And he was, he had brought her into that, those things. Um, and uh, the spirit was choking her, her mind. It was choking her personality, her true personality, her true identity, her confidence, and her sanity. And after Bible study, she went to ask for prayer. Um, I could see that she was asking questions that were really off, spiritually off. But as soon as she walked up to the pastor, Oh, that thing came up out of her. Um, I I seen the Exorcist of Emily Rose. I've seen the, the movie The Exorcist. This was a real life. I was like, what? This is real. She was spitting. She was scratching herself. Her tongue was coming out of her mouth like a snake. She was saying, F this B, I'm a killer. She's mine. There's nothing you can do. She this evil laugh and scream. And she would go in and out. Like the, the pastor was a strong man of God. 
still is a strong man of God to this day. So she would give him the reverence of the spirit he was speaking in. And for those that are not of, Christ, of the Christian faith, the energy he was speaking in. Um, and, but over time, the, 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 the spirit in her just began to take over. And I was, uh, I was nervous because I could tell that this was, this was a sexual, uh, sexual lust was behind and was uh, activated in her through, the, through the, the captain demon that was really driving her. Um, sexual lust um, and deep sexual desire, it produces pride. It produces the idea and the want to uh, uh, represent yourself and represent yourself of only what you want and what makes you feel good and what you feel you need and that no one can take that away from you. It, it, it is your confidence, it is your identity. And that demon was not letting go. And the Holy Spirit said, I said, I said, I said, well, God, am I, am I fake? Am I, you know, am I, if I'm not real, if I'm still gay, if I'm still lustful, if I'm still insecure, if I'm still angry, if I'm still fearful, this demon is going to expose me. And I'm saying this to myself as I'm praying. And the Holy Spirit said, we had been praying for a couple hours. And he said, you're playing games. Say what I told you to say. I should have been out of here, but you won't say what I told you to say. And I was like, all right, man. So I walked over to her gingerly and I put my hand on her shoulder. And I was like, okay. Cause I'm in there with a pastor, a sister pastor, two deacons, two missionaries, first lady. So it was a lot of, uh, significant church hierarchy. And if anybody knows anything about denominations, any of your listeners, when denominationally, they are assumed to have more authority spiritually than those that are not of their hierarchy or not of their title. And I'm not, I'm not even, I was new to that church. So I'm like, all right, if I say the wrong thing, they're going to say this man, he ain't delivered and the demon was provoked because of him. So I said, okay, God, here we go. I put my hand on the shoulder. He said, say come out of her leviathan and i whispered it i said come out of her leviathan he says i heard the holy spirit speak audibly to me as you're speaking to me now he says speak up and i said come out of her leviathan dr delvina this woman's neck turned around like the movie the exorcist and she said shut the bleep up how you know my name oh lord jesus I was shocked. Lord, my God in heaven. So I knew Jesus was real. And um, we'll talk about that. I know as we get to the testimony, I had experienced the power of his love and, and his resurrection power. I had experienced his transformation power. But to know him on this level, in addition to his power, to, to be able to unlock that part or be exposed and acknowledge that part of him as well was fascinating. So I didn't stop there. The Holy Spirit said, now call out every function and every behavior that she's given to because the demon is trying to choke her vocal cords so she cannot speak in, in her real identity and it is it's scrambling her mind. And I begin to call out every sexual function and every uh, character disparity that she was dealing with every social emotional disparity she was dealing with. And she began to give her regular voice began to come back. First she was screaming, she was screaming incidents and stories and occurrences and things that had happened. 
and she was talking about things that happened with her husband. She was exposing her husband and his homosexual uh, uh, experiences and the things that he invited her or coerced her or persuaded her or made her do. And her voice came back to her normal octave. And as we were walking to the car, she said, you and your pastor have authority over the demon. Can you pray for me again? And that's when I knew I had really encountered this demon. And I had, I had experienced it. And I knew I, I knew I was free, but it was confirmed that night that I was free. How, because how, that woman. How was it confirmed? How did that? Because, because if, I, because if, like, once again, those that are Christian listeners, those of you listening to the Christian uh, believers in Christ Jesus, there's a scripture that talks about uh, the seven sons of Sceva. This is in the book of Acts. Believe it's in Acts chapter seven. I may be wrong. Excuse me, not, not Acts chapter seven, but it's in the book of Acts. And they were, they were supposed to be, quote unquote, believers or children of the way of Christ Jesus or children or, or Christians. They were supposed to be that. Okay. And they were supposed to have authority and they were supposed to uh, walk in the power of God. And you see what I'm describing? They were supposed to have gone to church and been in a choir and uh, pay their tithes and do all the things of the pattern of what it looks like to be a Christian. Keywords, looks like to be a Christian. But the spirit realm does not know what you look like on the surface. It knows what you look like in your spirit. And they reverence, even demons reverence the king of spirits, the Lord of lords, the king of kings. And if it's not that spirit that you speak in when you come against them, they will not reverence you. They will attack you. And those men, the seven sons of Sceva said, come out in the name of Jesus. We cast you out in the name of Jesus. And the demon said, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. Who are you? And if I was fake, that woman would have called me out. That, 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 that spirit in her would have called me out on the floor. If I was not truly submitted in my heart to be madly in love with Jesus and that the, my faith in his death, burial, and resurrection and my faith in his righteousness and his will and my identity and my purpose in him as a man of God, if I was not truly authentic in that, that demon would have said, you are fake, and it would have attacked me, and it may have attacked the entire room. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So let's, let's well, first of all, what was, what is your position currently in the church? Um, I'm just a member. Uh, um, I, don't, I, just, I, don't, don't, don't minimize it. Don't say just a member. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I, I am, I am definitely a faithful uh, member at my at my church that I attend, but I don't relegate the kingdom of God to church. Um, the kingdom of God is is everywhere. He is um the kingdom of God is omnipresent. It is, it is. Uh, there is no limit. There is no boundary. There is no man definition to define the kingdom of God. Uh, and in the kingdom of God. I am a servant. I am a proclaimer. I am uh, uh, a humble servant at that to honor him and to demonstrate him and to be a light for him. And uh, in my church, I, I serve on the youth ministry. Um, I serve on the intercessory prayer team. 
Um, but outside of my church and outside of any of the four walls, I minister constantly. I'm ministering right now. People that will hear this will, 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 will know about Jesus Christ if they didn't know about him. And those that know about him uh, will be, uh, will exalt him because of this. Um, I've been preaching my testimony for about three years publicly. Um, I have a book uh, that is called From Secrets with Men to Romance with Him. I'm going to say that one more time. From Secrets with Men to Romance with Him. Um, you can purchase it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And it is uh, de it details my testimony from childhood to an adult to the uh, transformation. Um, and I look forward to, to glorifying him through my testimony. I look forward to being, and more importantly, though, being in the posture that allows him to be God and allows him to lead me and guide me or allows him to his light to be to be seen because having dealt with the life of lust and not just sexual lust but the lust and the desires of the of the flesh and the flesh mind uh pride of life the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes all of those things um you could easily and this is this goes for any pastor preacher prophet apostle any leader uh that confesses Jesus Christ, you could easily fall into the, the drunkenness of yourself. It is very enticing. It is very uh, uh, convenient. It's very powerful. It's very subtle. So if you're not constantly, as the scripture says, always bearing about the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus Christ may be made manifest in us. If you're not constantly doing that, you put yourself in a, in, in a, in, in a position where you could be lured in by yourself and your own efforts and what you do. So uh, that's what, as you ask me, what I am, what am I in the church, but in the kingdom of God, this is what, this is what my position is. When did you receive Christ in your life? How old were you? Uh, January 2nd, 2011, I was 22 and okay. I did not plan on it. My God, I did not plan on it. So, I was, so, so excuse me, up until that time, you were still uh, living on the down low. Yes, ma'am. I was, as I said, uh, last week, I was getting ready to come out as completely gay. Um, I grew up in church. My mother was a minister for as long as I can remember. My grandmother was an evangelist. My father was a deacon. My mother, my grandparents on my father's side were uh, consistent members in the church. Um, so I knew that I knew I knew the story and I knew uh, the pattern. And but what? was what it was for me was I need to feel your love and I've never felt your love I've never experienced your love like I what I as what I feel and experience when I'm with sleeping with men or sleeping with women or when I'm mixing mixing brown and white liquor or when I'm smoking exotic weed when I'm throwing these large parties where you know it's anywhere from 300 to 1400 people in, in one space I feel that I experienced that. And I've never felt your love. So what I do feel is when, I, when I'm with men, I feel complete. I literally, literally felt of what I felt was complete, of what I thought complete was. And it was, it, it, it was a temporary satisfaction of completion because I had felt so many, so much, so many, I had so many voids and I had the wrong definition of love to begin with. So I'm trying to fit a shape in a space that does not fit. So there's going to be open spaces in that, sh in that space. Um, I had been, you know, physically abused by my father. So 
I never really had an ident a, a, a identification or definition of what real love was. So okay. in my mind, mm -hmm. I'm getting it. When a man is holding me in his arms and he is, I'm got my legs wrapped around him like a woman does or a woman would, and I'm holding on to him and I'm, you know, giving my entire mind, body, and voice to this sexual experience. This is love for me. Yeah. Um, let me let me ask you this. I I I have a hunch. Yes. I have a hunch that maybe what you describe as your reason for living this lifestyle up until the age of 22 before receiving Christ. You mentioned wanting to feel the love that you saw other women women receiving and I guess the double standards of how we treat women and how we treat men or how we treat girls and how we treat boys. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that is your way of explaining it for yourself to make it acceptable. Um, that's a great question. Um, and I understand, I had a friend of mine that asked me that question before too. She said, is that just what you use as a distraction to mask that you were really gay and that you wanted to be gay? Um, it, as I say, it was not, it, 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 was, it was not the main reason, like seeing how girls were treated. Um, it, was lit, it was because of the soap opera bathtub scene. I didn't know that it was taking me down the road of where I'm just like, you know, forget the bathtub scene and forget how girls are treated. I just want to be gay. That's where it came. That's where it eventually got to. Well, well, and I'm going to tell you the root of that former problem you had, the root of the problem came from the exposure you received yes. as a child of five yes. seeing lovemaking scenes. That is yeah. a challenge for a five-year-old's brain. Yeah. Five-year-old to see something like that and have to process it. There you go. Yeah. You're on your mind. So I believe that you were a hypersexual person. Yes. To begin yes. with because you were exposed at a young age. And this is why movies and, and um, what do we call series and, and shows have ratings because everything is not meant for young children to see. And when Come children on, expose themselves to things at a young age, that is the thing that leads to precocious type thinking, behaviors, um, you know, children become sexualized because they yes. get exposed at a young age to these, these things. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned seeing that the bathtub scene at age five, you were exposed exposed to pornos at age nine. You were a latchkey kid. You were physically abused. You were in physical abuse. There's neglect because if you're physically abusing, you're not loving. So yeah. you're neglecting. You're holding back some love. You're neglecting. So you were neglected, and so you became sexually advanced at such a young age. That's a lot for your little brain to deal with. Yeah. That's the um, human brain is not is not done developing until it's around the age of 21, 22. And so yeah, you yeah. have all this stimuli coming into your brain to process. You hadn't even begun sexual, really, sexual development yet. I mean, we say it occurs in five stages, and these stages begin from, uh, you know, from basically the age of one. 
we'll say from birth to one, it's the oral stage is the first stage of sexual development. You know, we talk about libido, sexual desire being centered in a baby's mouth. Children are fixated on putting things in their mouths and things like that. Um, and they engage in certain behaviors when they're under stress. And so this oral stimulation could lead to oral fixation later in life. I can explain that later to you guys. Um, but in this stage, birth to one year, this is the beginning stage of sexual development. And this is, this is um, something that folks can read about in psychology. And this was created by Freud. So anyway, I believe the root of your issue, it began with you being exposed at such a young age. You are exactly, you are exactly right. I, and as an educator, um, I have, I've met several students that have told me, Mr. Bell, let me tell you what happened to me when I was five. They start at that age. Like most of the stories I hear, it starts at five. Not saying others don't start earlier when kids remember it, but let me tell you, they all, I've heard that so many times. Let me tell you what happens at five. I, have, I, had, a, I had a young man that watched his mother get beat to a pulp in his face um, because somebody thought she stole from them. And just explaining it, it was traumatic for him. He was like, like, like you couldn't imagine what I was feeling. I was five, like, can you imagine like what that does to me, man? Like, that, that really, like, it really bleeped me up, Mr. Bell. And um, he was, he was, a, he was a good kid. He still is a good, he's a good kid. Loving kid, kind kid, um, bit of a bully, you know, playful bully. But when he needs to defend or feels unprotected or feels uh, threatened, turn to a, a savage and he, he he'd always would say i don't want to be like this i don't want to think that i always have to be on def on guard or defense but it's what he saw at five and mm. you know salute to my salute to my parents you know uh, me and my dad have reconciled since then and we talk about football and uh marriage and all those things now and um uh I like I said, I take care of him in a lot of ways now. And my mom did the, oh, my mom is one of the greatest women I ever heard of, you know? And I told her, she, she used to feel like, you know, it's my fault. And I said, mom, it's not your fault. You had a lot of parents that had to find babysitting for their kids and they didn't know what their kids saw or what their kids were around. I said, you did the best you could. Um, uh, I never saw any of these movies with my parents. I always saw them at a babysitter's house and it, it, it was it was so convenient. They were recording something for their husband. Um, and that's why I would see them. And that's why I would like sitting at the table, I'm supposed to be laying down asleep with the TV right in front of my face and I'm sleeping on a, on a cot, like right in front of it, like on my nap time or whatever. Like, so I was why I would see this stuff. And listen, so, they know damn well they shouldn't have had that plan on the television with you sitting there. Yeah. yeah. Come on now. So your, your babysitters obviously were contributors to yeah. your abuse as a child. That's, I mean, that could be considered sexual molestation, showing a child a rated R, PG-13, you know, um, or pornography, that's considered sexual molestation. I, I, I definitely, I understand the rationale because my kids can't go anywhere where anybody's showing them something that I don't, I don't let them see. Uh, my kids can't spend a night spend a night at everybody's house over everybody's house. 
you can't spend a day at everybody's house. I got a very select small group of people that they, they spend night, spend just spend time with because I know how the adversary works. Right. And what I tell people is, I ministered this one time at a conference I was at. I said, let me, let me make this very plain to you. The adversary fooled a third of heaven. He deceived and guided and beguiled a third of heaven. He, he, he made them believe that it was better for them to be with him. And then in the most beautiful, edible, enchanting place we've ever heard of, he was there and he, did, he beguiled those individuals. So what makes you think he can't beguile your children? So what I make it very clear is the least you can do is guard them with logic and, and sense. And, you know, without being too so deep and spiritual, the scripture says he's given us a sound mind. Just, if you just, just call it that. He's given us logic. He's given us good thinking, a good way to judge and, and reason and, and to make sense of stuff. Um, so it just would make more sense to make the most sense to me that there are certain thresholds that a child is supposed to reach. And when they reach them at the organic age, they're supposed to reach them, reach them, let them reach them. Before then, you do your best to make sure that that child is developed accordingly. We're not perfect on any, any stretch of the imagination, but we can do our best to try to be what we can be for our children. Okay. On that word, guys, we got to take a break to hear from one of our paid sponsors. So hang in there. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. So we're here on the couch. Thank you so much. I just wanted to take a quick minute to have everyone breathe. And I know this might be triggering for some folks. This may be, this is always um, a topic that people try to avoid whenever you're talking about sex and, sex and sexual identity, um, I just want to just point out a couple of things. Um, one thing I'd like to point out, again, is that Victor Bell was not sexually molested or abused. The second thing is that hypersexuality, maybe folks don't know that term, but there's a term referred to as hypersexuality. And we see it quite often in folks who were sexually assaulted or abused or molested as as children. It can be it can be a result of sexual traumas and molestation is hypersexuality. And I really believe that that's the challenge that Victor Bell experienced is that because of his early exposure as a child to sexual themes, intimacy, things like that, he he um, developed hypersexuality or he developed um, hypersexual tendencies, meaning having an insatiable appetite for sex. Um, notice how he was spreading himself amongst both genders, men and women. Um, during the time he was sleeping with men, he was also sleeping with women. So folks would call that bisexual. And what was interesting to me also was this notion of his that um, he could never be loved like a woman if he didn't do the things that a woman would do or did do. He stated um, somewhere in the interview, I believe it was in this this episode, um, that the, the devil pretty much told him, you'll never be loved like a woman unless you can take what a woman takes. 
So that sort of line of thinking or succumbing um, to that that process. Um, of course, we know he probably at the time, there were some mental health challenges, and he admits to it too. Um, during part one, he mentions how he felt abused um, verbally, and, and I would say also emotionally. I believe he just said verbally, but I believe there was some emotional abuse also. And I don't think he felt loved. He didn't feel love. Um, he was well taken care of by his father and his mother, by his parents who were together and are still together. But I don't think he felt loved. And actually, correction, I'm not sure if his parents are still together because there's a point in part one where he refers to his father as his biological father. So that leads me to believe that perhaps the the man um, his mother is married to is his stepfather. But I can get clarification on that later from Victor Bell. So anyhow, we're about to embark on part two. So if you had to get a refreshment, a beverage, had to get yourself a glass of wine or a beer, let's get back on the couch, guys. All righty. So we were just talking about maybe some of the factors that were involved in in your sexual escapades. Um, I want to go back to the time B.C., before Christ, before you received yes. Christ. You said you were yes, at the age of 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and around that time, you also mentioned that you had been planning to come out as completely gay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it sounds like what you set out to accomplish, you accomplished. You told me in one of the earlier segments that you wanted all the attention from men. So yeah. you knew exactly how to interact with them, how to behave. And you even mentioned that Sometimes you'd be at a sex party or something like that, and men would be waiting in line to have sex with you. Did I understand that correctly? Yes, you did. Um, I'll even give you uh, a specific description of that. Um, I was at an event one time, and there were I was talking to a download guy. I had never met a down a real download guy other than myself. And he was telling me how he had to, you know, hide his secret and, you know, make accommodations for himself and uh, keep it from his family and, you know, some close calls and all of that. And it was a group of guys in the jacuzzi at this at this party I was at. And what, I could feel. What, what kind of party was this? Was this a man party or a party just for men or were women? Yeah, um, it was it was an it was an all male orgy, um, just like swing events where people go. And they say leave your inhibitions at the door, and people go in as a, as a society calls it play um, through uh, acquaintance. Um, it's it was it's what goes on at these parties. It's just all males. Are, are these parties at someone's house? Are they at a hotel? Is it at a? I, I've been to ones at, at at residences. I've been to one at hotels. I've I've been to uh, ones at both locations. Okay, so you were talking to, so you said you had never spoken to a man on the DL, only. I, yeah, not, not knowingly, I, I, yeah, like right. somebody actually told me, yeah. Right, so, so these other people, these other men you'd been with, they were openly gay. Most of them, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, honestly, I can't, I can't think of one. It was, it was maybe one that either he was like, like masculine bi or something, but. 
that maybe that one, but everybody else was because not only did I sleep with men, I slept with transsexuals, I slept with dom lesbians. I, if it had a penis, I was going after it. Um, now, so I got a quick question here. Let me interject. Mm -hmm. In your engagement, were you the receiver or the giver? I was the receiver. I was the I was the woman. I, I that's what I wanted okay. to be. But like I, I said, that. So with yeah. these trans, with the transsexuals, you were receiving penis from a trans, a man dressed like a woman who had a penis. Yes, um, I had. I have been with women, uh, transgender women that you could not tell ever that it was a man. Um, um, some of the most appealing human beings to your eye. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and you would look at them and say, this is just a beautiful woman. And then it had a penis. And what I knew was, see, and I, I had kind of mastered it. Um, I knew that this is still a man and this man wants to climax and it wants its ego stroked. And I don't care what it presents itself as I know what to do to get him to the point where I can get what I want and I'm gonna make it worth his while. I'm going to make him feel like he wants to feel. I'll make her feel like she wants to feel. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it. So, um, but what it was, I could, you know, when you first become, first get penetrated, it doesn't feel good. Um, and the adversary said, well, you, you, you got to keep doing it until it do feel good because you got to be loved like a woman. I'm like women, beautiful women can take that. Beautiful women... But you know, beautiful women are taking it in their yes, and their vagina, yeah. not their ass. Yeah, so yeah. So it's a and and I'm glad you brought that up. I used to get I didn't. I got naturally lubricated back there. It shocked the mess out of me. I was like, well, what? It, and so yes, that happens because there are mucus cells inside the rectum. I learned that. Yeah. 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 And so whenever there's some sort of stimulation back there, it stimulates those cells, whether it's poop stool or it's a penis or a finger or a dildo. Yeah. Yeah. So those those mucus cells they don't have the ability to say, oh okay, we're shitting now. So get moist. Or gotcha. penis entering. Yeah. So get yeah. moist. They don't have there's no they can't decipher. They don't know the difference. Whereas they just do what woman, they're supposed to do. Right. With the woman's vagina, a woman knows, you know, okay, I'm getting ready for pleasure. Um this is the the prelude to I'm in the beginning stages of um, these sexual acts. So I'm excited and she becomes lubricated unless obviously there's something going on and, and she can't naturally lubricate. But so anyhow, um, so you were saying you knew exactly what they wanted, including the trans. Mm -hmm. And I kept running into, I know we, I know we're keeping it real. Um, yeah. I kept running into, into really big penises mm -hmm. and the adversary said, well, women, beautiful women run into big penises all the time. And this is why they are who they are. And unless you can take what they can take at the drop of a dime, you'll, you'll never be them. So it got to the point where it stopped hurting and it stopped hurting with big penises. So it didn't matter. By that point. How long did that take? Uh, it, took, it, it took a couple years. It took Whoa. a couple years. My God. So you know, basically, what happened is they were just busting you wide open. They were just oh yeah, I, 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 your tissue, yeah. your connected tissue, there breaking down walls and you know making your rectum, your anus, 
more penetrable. Yeah. Um, I knew that's what was happening. Um, and, and it was crazy because it was so uncomfortable and it was so, it was painful. And it was one time when I was doing it, I was with this guy and my spirit, I knew my man's spirit was dying. Like it, it, was, it was becoming something else because I was like, listen, I used to always tell guys, if I say take it out, then take it out. And I was still a masculine man, so I could flip on in a minute and, and just and, and like wreck the room. Like, so you're not gonna do nothing to me. I don't want you to do. But if I just ask you to take it out, then take it out. Mm. But this one time, it stopped hurting. And and it was another time. This guy was really endowed, and he was like, "Are you okay? You want me to stop?" And I said, "No, keep going." Because I said I got to get to the point where that other guy wasn't as big, but this guy really was. And then when that the one that I'm talking about now, it was like it, it was it, 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 it's not it wasn't normal for most ones I've seen. So I was like, if I can take him, I can take him all. So that's what it got to. So fast forward to that night at that, at that party, I ran into some guys who were looking me up and down. They were in the jacuzzi. They were looking me up and down and they were mugging me. At first, I was like, why, why, these, why these youngers mugging me? We're like, what's up, Slim? I'm thinking this in my head like. Man, I dog younger than he's like, well, I don't know, he better chill. So I looked at him stern, like I looked back at him. But they was looking at me because they were attracted to me and they would say, letting me know they wanted to have me. So I get downstairs. I said, let me break comment. Let me, let me break the ice, have conversation with them. So they were all educators too. Midway through the conversation, two of them go down on me. All of them had, all of them were running down. And before I knew it, I was subdued by three men. That was the pinnacle of the death of my manliness I really was ready like I had to catch myself Dr. Delvina there were times after that time where I would talk like a girl I would switch like a girl my mannerisms were like a girl I liked being the submissive woman if you will and the night I submitted my life to Christ my mother made me go to church that day it was after me and my, my girlfriend at the time it was my wife now my, my, we, would, we threw a New Year's Eve party and I was like, okay, I got to get ready to tell her I'm gay. And I can't be with her because I'm in love. I, I want to be with a man. And I got to ready to tell my family, tell my brother, my best friend. I, I'm like, I'm just move to another state, bro. I'm just telling them I'm gay. I'm alive. I'm okay. I'll see y'all when I see y'all. I go to church. The bishop says at the end of his sermon, go sin no more. Calls me up to the altar too. So I was, I was like, I was like meh to it. I was like, ah, okay, you know, all right. Go say no more, whatever. I get home, I'm walking down the steps and I keep hearing this voice loud in my head. Go sin no more, go sin no more, go sin no more. And now I'm getting angry because I'm like, leave me alone, man. Like literally, leave me alone. And then I'm carried again, I'm like, no. What you mean go sin no more? That mean I can't be gay no more. And I started crying profusely and angry and hostile. And it was like, if you're a kid, and somebody's saying something to you that you feel is like, just like viciously annoying. And you're like, leave me alone. And that's what I was, if you could translate the language of my tears and my yelling and screaming, that's what the language was. And I felt like, I know now it was the spirit of the Lord, but I didn't care that it was the spirit of the Lord. It was the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. I didn't care. I was like, listen, you're blocking my identity. I need to be gay. Let me be gay. Let me be gay. And 
this is the, this is the like if you could like I said the translation of my my words this is what it was my cry my tears this is what it was but then I started to speak clearly and I was crying this out like it was it was jumbled but it, it, it was coming out and I said I'm ugly I'm insecure I'm fearful I'm afraid I'm not confident the people that you see on the surface are not really my friends you don't know what it's like to be me and then the romance happened that's why the book is called From Secrets with Men to Romance with Him. And then the it was like everything in the room was just under the authority of this presence. It just it just arrested everything in the room. Everything that's not, it got quiet, it's like the eye of the storm. And he said, I was publicly ridiculed, I was publicly defamed, I was betrayed, I was tortured, and then I was murdered because I love you. I was shocked. Dr. DeVillian, I was completely shocked because I said, I've just opened up the epitome of my loins to you, my heart, my deepest secrets. You did not judge me. You did not dismiss me. You did not disregard me. You did not ridicule me. You told me you loved me. You didn't say you loved me. You said you loved me. And if you, if, for, your, for the listeners, if you, ever, you, you know you, your romance, you, you're, you're basically following instruction, but you feel safe with a person, and then you become vulnerable, and then before you know it, you're under, you're under their, their sensual control. Well, this wasn't sensual, but I was being romanced. I was being romanced by the powerful love of God, and then he said, listen, give me homosexuality, give me fornication, give me drinking, give me smoking, give me cursing, give me partying, give me everything, and I'm going to give you my love. And you see how it feels. So I'm glad I told you all of the things and everybody heard all of the things that I was given to and the depths that I was given to it. Because at that point in my life, the pinnacle of my, the sensational uh, experience through my flesh was through sex with men and all of the other outliers that I was given to. But those experiences, you got to excuse me, could not compare to the powerful transformation of God's love that I experienced that night. I was on my knees. And when it hit me, it I opened, when, when he said that, I opened up my heart. I said, you know what? I opened up my body to everything to see if I could experience love. So I'm just going to see, I'm going to try and just see what this love is like. And when I experienced his love, it just, it conquered all of my knowledge. It conquered all of my fear. It conquered every sensation, every desire. It filled every void. It, com- it, it really completed me. Now I knew what unconditional, no strings attached love was that was without necessity. It was just organic. And it was, it's just said, I have, I have the sovereign authority to make a decision to love you in spite of who you are right now. That was the love I was seeking. I didn't know it. Do you feel lucky? Do you feel blessed that God chose to deliver you from home? I feel, I, I feel blessed, but I'm, I'm not, I don't feel lucky. I feel I'm, I'm honored. I'm humbled. And I feel I'm grateful that I took the opportunity to experience him. 
and to experience him while I allow him to come into my heart. Because I wouldn't have known what, what I call my Jesus high was like if I never let him come in. Wow, listen, so, I, I got I to interrupt you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there are some, probably more people who have never experienced a Jesus high than people who have experienced a Jesus high out here in this world. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so to talk about a Jesus high and a, a euphoria, really, that is so powerful that it overcomes it overcomes your, your previous lust, your previous, um, my gosh, I can't find the right word right now to describe. Desires, desires inclinations, those experiences. Yes, ma'am. That you experienced during those parties and during those um, orgies and during the trains. You, you were with people who were running trains on you pretty much. I, 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 I wasn't, and not even pretty much. There was a time. I remember I was um I was at this event. You call it an event. I was in a hotel room full of like at least 50 men in there. And uh oh boy, oh my gosh. And I remember I was I, I, I used to flaunt heavy, like real seductive flaunt. Like it it'll make it 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 will make those types of men like yo, I'm I'm I, I wanna have sex with him. Like he makes this look so good. And I remember I was on my back. And then all of a sudden, my back was rising off the bed. And I felt like I was closer to the ceiling. And then I felt rapid penetration. And then I felt my body like move over to someone else. And I was like, whoa, this is a bit much. (laughs) And I remember leaving. When I left, I remember feeling that hurt. I felt the vibrations of pleasure, but it, it still it still hurt, you know, getting to that those points. It was like 50-50. I said, but I want to experience that again. The spirit of Christ Jesus had to conquer that spirit because it was what my pinnacle of love was and in in addition to the sexual pleasure that I was receiving. So it can't be something that is what is like the seven sons of Sceva. It can't be something fake. It can't be something that's not real. It can't be something that is all powerful. It can't be something that actually gives life to dead things. As the scripture says, if you believe in him, that the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead, if if the spirit dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. It means make alive. It had to be that. Because otherwise, the knowledge in my mind, hallelujah, Jesus, the knowledge in my mind was given to those thoughts and those experiences. I wanted those experiences. I loved being with, having sex with men. It, I looked forward to it. It was exciting. And that's why I described it as what a female, a, a porn star was doing. That's what I did with men. I did not back down from it. I was aggressive. I was, I ran to it. So it had to be something that severed me from those feelings, from those experiences, from those sensations. It had to literally cut me away from it. Gotcha. But it, it, it was, it was the, it, to this day, I have never experienced anything like that through my, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. What? I can never what? denounce his name. 
Okay, you mean the love of, of Jesus Christ. Yeah, the, the love of Jesus Christ. Gotcha. I can never denounce his name. I can never say he's not Lord. I can never turn my back to him. Hallelujah, Jesus. I can never betray him. I can't. Do you understand why, Dr. Delvina? The first time I felt love, I experienced, not even felt, I experienced love. It's from him. I don't know love. I don't know confidence. I don't know security. I don't know uh, 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 fearlessness. I don't know sound thinking. I don't know uh, uh, a vision and understanding of myself. I don't know it unless I know him. So I, it, it's like when a man or, or when a woman loves a man, when somebody loves somebody, you feel like, I can't, I can't turn my back on them. I can't do them wrong. I can't embarrass them. I can't bring them to a shame because of what they did for me. So this is where I am. Okay. This is my posture in the kingdom of God. This is my position in the kingdom of God through my testimony. Got it. So um, let's see. You give yourself to Christ. You're 22. You were, you, that same night you were planning to come out as complete DA. Mm -hmm. Have a girlfriend. So basically, like you said, you were living on the down low. You had a girlfriend, but you were doing all this stuff with these men. Now, when you were engaging in these parties and these events, was this in the DMV area or was this out of DMV? It was all over the DMV. Got it. Were you guys using condoms all the time? I used condoms every time, but twice. And going to the clinic to get an HIV test was the most horrifying experience ever. I remember standing in the lobby and they were playing this movie clip of this uh, this man that did not know he had HIV and he gave it to somebody and the guy called him and said, you gave me HIV? And they played this movie clip like 50 times straight in a row. So oh, I was, like, you had, you've had sex with several, how many men have you had sex with? I, I lost count, I couldn't count. You think more than 100? I wouldn't say 100. Uh, but it, it was a lot. So, and each and every time, except for two, you made them wear a condom. I, when I say I was still a man, man, I, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you an uh, example. So you didn't let them take advantage of you. Look, you put it on, or that's or this ain't going. Yeah, on. like I literally, like I was talking like in my female voice. I was talking like with this seductive, sexy voice, and this guy jumps up behind me, and he doesn't have anything on, and it went from female voice to I was like, hey, cuz. Hey, hey, man, get from behind me, Slim. Nah, Slim, you want something else. You better move for I, I glance you in this joint. And then I will flip back to sexy voice. Did and, he oh, he moved, because he was staying. He ain't know what to think. Because <laughs> this is a, this is a, this is a, now I'm not saying uh, uh, gay guys are not still masculine men that can fight and all the rest of that. But he was afraid. He didn't know what I was going to do. Because I bought my fist up and I swore yeah. up my, my, my muscles are flexing and everything. So he don't know what I'm about to do. And I was, say it again. He was a what? I didn't hear what you said. He was he was he was a, he was a he was a top, but he was a feminine guy. He he was um he didn't. And I'm not saying like feminine gay guys are are are, are not can't fight or they won't defend themselves. They they, they they I know some that definitely will. I knew some that definitely would. But this guy was afraid. He was he was like oh what? Like this guy was just talking clearly in a different voice, and now he turned around talking like he about to beat me up. But I remember I reached behind me again. And every time I was, I was never too drunk or uh, inebriated or whatever, where I could not reach behind me and feel plastic. And I made sure of that, except though it was two times where I, I intentionally, I didn't. It was with the transsexual and, with, and, and one guy at an at a, at a orgy. And 
I was beside myself and I was like, oh God, what did I just do? And with the transsexual, I was in the moment and I and and, and I, I I didn't uh and I didn't use protection. So I went I remember going to the clinic. I went three times in my life and uh thank God I was always negative. And um I remember after I fell in love with Jesus, immediately I was like, okay, I gotta tell my tell my girlfriend. And the Holy Spirit said, You can really have her now because you went through me. You have filtered your love, what you what you thought was love through my love. And I remember the first thing I told her, was, it was in a two-week span, I told her all of my infidelities with women. Because I told her I used, to sit, I used to attend heterosexual swinger parties too. I was a womanizer. I was, you know. So I said, I got to go into this thing righteously. I can't go into this thing deep in this relationship without telling her the full truth. So I get to her house and I tell her, she hits me a couple of times in my chest and my arms. And she says, I still love you. And I can't lie to myself. I know I still love you. And she says, don't ever do this to me again. And she's crying. And, and I said, if you want to leave me, if you hate me, if you don't ever want to talk to me again, I understand. We got past that. The next weekend, I was like, all right, here we go. Because I told her that night, I said, you got to stop having sex. And she said, why? And now I said, I'm like, she said, why? I said, I got to please God. She said, okay. Because she was, she was afraid that if a guy stops having sex with you, he doesn't want to be with you anymore. I said, I'm going to prove to you I love you. I really love you. And the next weekend I told her, well, probably wouldn't even a weekend, probably like a couple, like a few days later. And um, I said, okay, I get, I get to her house and I tell her face to face, I said, face to face, I said, listen, what if I told you I used to be gay? And she laughed pretty loud. And I had to tell her, I'm serious, like three times for her to believe me. And then I started telling her the stories. And she was like, ain't no masculine black man in this community going to tell that story just for kicks and giggles. And then that's when she she looked at me and she was she was wild by my transparency and then she said, are you done with the life? And I said, yes. And she said, are you sure? I said, yes, absolutely. I said, I'm in love with Jesus. I said, I can't go back on him, let alone you. And she said, well, I still love you. Like I told you, let's just move on. And we have been, we'll be married 10 years, October 1st. Two beautiful kids. So, let me ask you this. When you guys are in the bedroom being intimate, are you, are you the man in the bedroom? Are you? Oh, yes. Oh, oh now, yes. Now? I mean, yeah. you, you, you were the bottom before. <laughs> you were the bottom so how I, you, I understand. I understand. It's, 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 it's a pertinent real. question. I'm just, I'm just being real. You were it's the it's a pertinent question. Person. I understand. You know, um, being the feminine receiver. And so now you are, I mean, are you picking her up and banging it on the wall and all that? Or, I mean, what's going on <laughs> in the bedroom? I'll, 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 I'll add this part of it to it as well. So you got to remember, I was still a womanizer. So I could still, I was still, you know, acting a double role. So on the surface with women, I was told as a little boy that women don't like three things. Men that are lazy, um, men that lie, and men that can't satisfy me. My mother told me that. And all my female aunts and all my, um, my uh, cousins, female cousins and older aunts used to chime in along with her. All of them had the same narrative. So it was like Bible to me. All right, bruh. Uh, you lied a few times. 
you ain't lazy, but you know, you don't do everything you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, but you ain't lazy. And you gotta satisfy. Cause that's what that's what women want. And it was actually to my detriment. And I heard that when I was a little older, but it was like it, it stuck in my brain. So my wife now, my girlfriend at that time, I made it a point to please her every time I laid that one. Every time. It was it it wasn't even because I was trying to, you know, stroke my ego even now. It was girls. I don't care if you sleep with the girl that's a five or a six or a seven or the big girl or whatever. They tell their friends and they're going to tell their friends how it was. And that gets you more girls. And I was doing it out of insecurity. My homeboys is doing it because they just was trying to get their issue off. But my, 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 my efforts in some instances succeeded. Some of my homeboys that was the light skinned pretty boys with the long hair because I was just trying to live up to this idea. Yeah. So when I, I got married, I think you were doing this. I think you were doing this to cover up the homosexual lifestyle that you had. You eventually, mm-hmm. eventually, that's what that's what it got to. I remember being in the in the bed with, with women sometime and, and turning over after I had sex and be like, I don't even want to be here anymore. Um, I started like feeling, I felt empty with women. I started feeling empty with men too, but the, the adversary just kept saying, "Just come out as completely gay. And you won't feel like that no more." So with my wife, I made it my business to enjoy the youth of her breast, as the scripture says, to be selfless with her, to please her, to submit myself to her, um, to embody my love to her physically as, as well as mentally and emotionally. So my wife was on a, we, we did a podcast about a year and a half ago and the woman asked the same question. She said, does he please you? She said, he's always pleased me. Um, I can, if I, if I get a chance, I can, um, if I find the podcast, I could send it to you. Um, but she was asking because she was wanting to know what you know. Is it is he able to still be a man with you? My wife, anything my wife has done of sexual adventure uh, through uh, heterosexual normality has been with me. Um, my wife, when we were dating, she said to me one time when we were doing whatever we were doing, she was like, oh, my God, I want to marry you. We had no clue we were going to get married. <laughs> Um, but I make it my business to take her where, where she's not gone before every time we make love. So I'm going to um, ask you this because I know listeners are wondering this. Have you ever asked your wife to penetrate you in, in the anus? I'm glad, um, Dr. Davina, I'm, I was going to get to that. I'm glad you asked me that. So when we first got married, we, the scripture that says the marriage bed is honorable and undefiled, we believe that was of us. So we were like, well, I said, I don't want to be with a man no more. I don't want to be another resemble a man. But I, the, the desire to be penetrated, the feeling, the sensation hadn't left me yet. So we had all the toys. We had the strap. We had, we had it all. And maybe two or three straps. Um, and we would take turns on each other. And it got to a point within our marriage where I started having these dreams, demonic dreams, like vicious demonic dreams. And the first dream, it was, I was in a cemetery. There was a man. It was a people that was talking about get money, cash moves, everything around me, get money, get money. And I'm saying, seek you first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things we added unto you. And they like, nah, get money, get money. So that I feel like I've, 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 I've over them. 
and then they disappear. And then, and then one of a demon bursts out of the ground and nails a dollar to my head and says, money, mother. And I'm, I was trying to speak in the spirit, but my, my throat was choked. Couldn't, I couldn't speak. And they didn't have the hand around my throat. I woke up. I, was, I, was, I felt the sensation in my, in my flesh that this dream was real. A couple weeks go by, I have another dream. I'm in a hallway or like a lobby and there's all these beautiful women walking in front of me, walking past me. Hi, Vic, hi. Vic, Vic, hey, how's it going, Vic? And they're, and they're really charming and they're really smiling and, and they start coming to me faster and faster and faster and before I knew it, they were demons and they were snarling at me. Last dream in this three dream sequence, a couple weeks later. I have a dream, I'm in a circle of men and all their penises are in front of my face. And I'm on my knees and they're all ready to subdue me. I wake up and I say, I get up, I get out of my bed and I walk into like the living area of the basement when we live in my mom's basement at the time. And I said, God, why I keep having these dreams? He immediately said, because you still give me access to your former life. He said, you notice that you was heavy on money when you was throwing parties and you tried to sell a little weed and all the rest of that, but you was heavy on money and you was heavy on women and you was heavy on homosexuality. So every part and every tentacle that was attached to your former life is attacking you in your sleep. Get rid of the toys and you'll stop having the dreams. We went to a resort. I took the toys with me, put them in a the trash can, dumpster, like fall off in the back of the resort somewhere. I forgot about it. That was the end of that. The next time I had a dream, I was flying in the clouds and I seen a host of demons that were about to prounce on this, this high school dance. And then they saw me in the clouds and they flew out to me and they were ready to attack me. And my hands turned to swords and I began to cut their heads off and I was fighting them and I was attacking them and I was going in like secret places where they were trying to hide. And I was, I was hollering scripture like verbatim. And that was that. How, how long did that take? How old were you when you transitioned out of um, sodomy? Uh, I was about 20, 20 early 24. Mm-hmm. Early 24. And that, that was like the first year and a half of our marriage. First year and a half. Got it. How old are your children? My son is five. My daughter is four. Okay. Congratulations on having um, a happy family, being in a, a, a relationship, having a wife, being somewhere where you're happy and, um, and also enjoying your walk with Christ. What would you tell someone who is struggling with their sexuality, who's struggling with homosexuality? I'm glad you asked. The key word is struggling. If somebody is struggling, they mean that it's a pull on both sides. There's a pull of, I don't want this, or I do want this. And this is not for people that are not struggling. Because if you're not struggling, and if you want to be that, then that is, it's up to a God encounter and your choice to uh, surrender to that God encounter and what is of his will. But if you're struggling, I have two words, try him. And the way you try him, if you want to know him according to his will or his word, but really 
to know his love. It's not from gay to straight. It's from bound to free. From uh, not knowing love to knowing his love. But the way you try him is tell him the truth. Tell him what you really want. Tell him what you desire. Tell him what you like. Tell him what you what is hard for you to give up, what you may not want to give up. But it's a reason, if you're struggling, why you want to tell him. And that's what I offer to individuals today that are struggling with homosexuality, struggling with the identity of that. That, and you may want to know him, and you may, or you may want to know a life that is not uh, submitted to homosexuality. Try his love. Try the power of his love. Try the, the comfort of a conversation with him. Not a deep spiritual, oh, Lord, thy God. No, just talk to him. Tell him also what's behind. Tell him of the, the, the goods and the strongholds of the, uh, uh, of the life that you're living, your insecurities, your fears, your shame, your, your worry, your anxiety, your experiences. Tell him, tell him all of that. Tell him, tell him what you use to distract yourself because you don't want to deal with your fears. Tell him what you use to distract yourself because you don't want to uh, acknowledge what your worst fears are, what, you, what you're af afraid that you will always be and always have become. Tell him. Because that's the only way you will relinquish and, and drain yourself of what is you internalizing and what's hindering you, hindering him from coming in. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way in. You have to let him in. And once he comes in and, and dwells with you, it's your decision if you want to be in love with him all the way. So that's what I would say. All right, y'all. That's the word. I'm going to make that the last word. Mr. Bell, I certainly appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your transparency. And I appreciate, I appreciate you even more for sharing your, your life story. You're welcome. I, I thank you for allowing me to be a guest. Um, and uh, once again, if those of you that want to uh, read more of my story, you can uh, go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And the title of my book is called From Secrets With Men to romance with him from from secrets with men to romance with him you can all re also reach out to me on facebook at victor edward once again that's victor edward or you can email me personally at victor.edwardministries at gmail.com that's victor.edwardministries at gmail.com you can also reach out to me on clubhouse at yeshua over lust that's yeshua over lust and lastly on instagram at loving sword that's l-o-v-e-a-n-d S-W-O-R-D, Love and Swore, and Instagram. Dr. Delvina, thank you again so much for letting me share. And uh, thank you to all of your listeners for listening. Hey, Mr. Bell, spell your clubhouse name because I think some people might struggle with that. Yes, ma'am. S, I mean, excuse me, Y-E-S-H-U-A-O-V-E-R-L-U-S-T. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-O-V-E-R-L-U-S-T. Yeshua over lust. All right, y'all. That's been another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. You'll hear from me again next Sunday. Have a good week. So guys, after all of this talk, I wanted to leave you with some resources. I can't get out of here and not give you some information. And again, although this is not about, this is not about sexual assault, um, I still... For some people, this may have triggered some things. So I still would like to leave you with some information and some national hotlines. 
So the first hotline I'd like to leave folks with is the Trevor Project. That's T-R-E-V as in Victor O-R. Trevor Project, the Trevor Project. It is a leading national organization providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning. So LGBTQ young people ages 13 to 24. Their phone number is 866-488-7386. There's also a gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender national hotline. That number is 888-843-4564. And then um, there's a national talk line for GLBT, gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender for youth through ages 25. That number is 1-800-246-7743. There's also the RAIN mission. RAIN is R-A-I-N-N. It stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. It's the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization It was created and operates the National Sex Assault Hotline, which that hotline is 1-800-656-HOPE, H-O-P-E. Again, 1-800-656-H-O-P-E, HOPE. So if you are in need, please feel free to call one of these numbers. There's also a Love is Respect National Teen Dating Abuse Hotline, that is 1-866-331-9474. Again, 866-331-9474. You are not alone. There are advocates available to you and for you 24-7. You just heard those numbers. And, of course, I have to give you the Florida Sexual Violence Hotline because I'm coming to you out of South Florida. It's 888-956-RAPE. R-A-P-E, that's 888-956-RAPE, R-A-P-E. I want the best for all of you. I want everyone to make it. I want everyone to feel happy and content in life and not to feel like you're struggling or like you're drowning. If you ever feel like you're drowning, reach out to someone, reach out to a mental health professional. If you don't know where to turn or don't have anywhere to turn, please feel free to reach out to, again, my office, and we can help point you in the right direction. That number is 305-981-1700. And the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. It is a national network of local crisis centers that provides free and confidential emotional support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Again, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. All right, y'all, that has been my show, Brain Love. It's the end of an episode Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself needs 
Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love.